When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Forever. Rose and Jamie are two best friends And they love sex and the city And they couldn't help but wonder Do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Crunchies So many dudes Every single dude dudes. All the dudes And we couldn't help but wonder With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't Help But Wonder, a podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to, to us. us. Hi. Hi, 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 hi. Before we ask mm. who each other are, or is, I don't speak English. No. Is $68 too much mm. for a fitted sweatshirt with an embroidered thing that says feelings on it. Yes, it but I, really I would like, spend it. I really liked it. I've been thinking about it. It's a justified $68. Is it? I think I so. I think that sweatshirts... It looks cute. Sweatshirts, for me, get so much wear. I mean, truly, every time we do this podcast, I'm in some form of a sweatshirt hooded but it's, zip but it's not up like front a big loose, what have you it's like you could no, wear it with like tight jeans and it could be like totally a cute... no i had the vision right away when you just, just described it i think that sweatshirts are like almost the new blouse at this point Ooh. and i think that we are getting to a zone where paying a lot for a sweatshirt is not crazy okay yeah i love the feelings part okay gal who the hell were you this week uh i god i'm really struggling with this one i guess Maybe sort of still in that zone of Carrie flirting with the idea of doing therapy or um, going to therapy. I went to see your psychiatrist. Oh, good. Yeah. Love He's, love him. Isn't he so pro? Fabulous. Fabulous man. He's just man. so on it. Yeah. And I went because, full disclosure, I was in a place where I was like, I think maybe I'm a candidate for some kind of stimulant to deal with focus-related issues. I'm not sure. I've definitely thought it in the past. My mom is one. She's someone who takes that. So You're talking about ADD? Yeah, AD, ADD. Probably okay. not ADHD. Okay, but that's what you're talking about, just, just if it wasn't clear. Yeah. Or, or The only reason I, I said focus issues is because I think that, and I learned this a little more in going to talk to him. Right. Um, that it's it's very hard to diagnose specifically ADD and that a lot of people kind of deal with 
focus-related concentration problems. And it, it's not always ADD. It's not Sometimes always it under be, the guise of ADD. I'm not saying you have it, but I know when I'm really anxious or depressed, it's it, well, really this, hard for so me. So very interesting that you say that. I So I went in and I'm thinking... My mom takes Adderall. Right. Um, she's been prescribed Adderall for several years, completely normal on it. She's not like, da 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 Like, she's, it works. It's yeah. definitely, like, the drug for her. Right. And I was like, well, I had concentration problems in high school. And, yeah, I was like, it's kind of always been there, but I just sort of pushed through. Um, but he told me that you can actually take... Well, butrin, right? Because it's a little stimulating without being an actual stimulant. And I, he did say I have a little bit of depression, so he's like, "See I'm how not you do surprised on that." By that, yeah. You seem a little down. I do. You have the last month. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I so I started taking it. I've been on it two days. How is it helping you? The thing that I like about it is it's so subtle that I'm. I'm not feeling scared by it because oh, yeah. I took Zoloft a couple of years ago and immediately was like, this is not for me. Oh. I feel really dulled Yikes. by it. I I just kind of feel a little spacey and I don't feel that right now. How long did he say it would take for two, anything to kick two, in? He said, give it two weeks before hmm. you really start to assess. Hmm. But I think it's pretty normal to feel something when you don't take any medication and then all of a sudden you start taking medication. I think it's impossible to not feel anything. It's been so long. I don't remember how long it takes, but for two days, I wouldn't imagine you would feel too much from it. And I don't. Right. But I but I guess my point is that when I took Zoloft for two days, I did feel something. So you know it's not terrible. Right? So I at least know that it's not a bad fit. Good. Because I think if it were sort of a, a shock to the system, I would maybe be a little more concerned. Well, the great thing about Wellbutrin is if you... It is an antidepressant. Yeah. And the nice thing about it is it's the only one that has no effect on your sex drive. Right. That's what he said. None. Zero. Which is incredible. Yeah. And he said that they use it to treat focus related issues as well. So even if I didn't have the the depression element, he was like, yeah, we, we, you know. It'll sharpen you up. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. I'm glad you saw him. I think he's wonderful. Yeah. I'm still on the fence about like, I think taking medication always scares me a little bit um I've also like talked to therapists who are well one therapist in particular who said like it's normal to not feel like a hundred percent all the time like most like normal is not feeling a hundred percent like the human experience chips away at you to a degree (laughs) where if you're walking around being like I'm in a musical everything's glorious like you're manic that's insane well of course I think the problem is if you wake up and you're like that is what that was the zone I was in. It was that when I I'm wake unhappy up to be awake. I feel it wasn't to that degree, but it definitely was a subconscious kind of like a little I feel sad in the morning, and that is something I was sick of waking waking up with. I was like, it'd be one thing if something happened that was circumstantial that made me feel that way, but it was just that like initial eyes open feeling of dread pushing through that I just got really tired of feeling. That, to me, sounds worth investigating. I also think everyone is on their own journey, and I support whatever you do. But I do think that if you are on any kind of med for a mood, it is good to also be in therapy because the meds take care of some parts exactly. of it. But then there's also, like, you know, what's behind the sadness totally. and stuff. Totally. You know? And that's what I was thinking about. I was like, oh, if Wellbutrin 
if it really like kicks in and kind of does its job, I don't want to get to a place where I don't meditate anymore. I don't see therapists like you. It cannot be a catch all. Well, the thing is, it just isn't. I feel like the medication, my very personal experience, and it's different for every single person and will be different for you. I think for me. I have a different thing than you. I I think I definitely have depression. I'm not like, I wonder if I do. I know that I do. Yeah. And I'm not depressed. I haven't had a depressed episode in a really long time because yeah. I'm on my meds. But right. the meds help me not be depressed and be like, you know, bopping around. But then it gets me to a place where I can do the work in therapy of like, okay, well, what's going on? Yeah. Because if you're really, really depressed, you can't even no, do the you work. No, don't, you, don't, you can't put one foot forward in front of the other. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think as your friend, um, you've seemed low lately. Yeah. And I think it's more than the job and I think it's worth investigating. Yeah. Well, again, as soon as as soon as the job is over and I don't feel like I have to cancel on my therapist because something comes up last minute, I'm just gonna go to her as consistently as I can. I think it would be good. Yeah. Anyway, who are you? Well, maybe a little bit of Carrie. Yeah. Because, like, the way she and Big just are always, like, back and forth and back and forth. Oh, my God. No, no, no. I'm not, oh, okay. I'm not back okay, and okay, forth okay. with Lee. Okay, okay. But, you know, when you have a breakup, it's very rare that it's like, oh, we broke up and we haven't talked yes, since. It's never like, the wall is up. Yeah. He's on the other side of it. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, we hung out for the... We've... You know, as everybody knows, you know, breakups are hard because you don't just break up with a lover. You break up with a friend and somebody who knows you pretty well. And when good things and bad things happen, you still kind of like, you know, he keeps me abreast of what's going on and vice versa. And um, we hung out for the first time on Sunday. What'd you guys do? Um, We saw a movie and I'm not going to tell you guys which one it is until the end because it's it's my horny for. Okay. But it was harder than I thought. If it's the lighthouse, I might throw myself off it's a cliff. It's absolutely okay. not. <laughs> Great. I saw the preview and I was like, oh, this isn't for me. Oh, God. But um, I think when I saw him, it's not like I was like, oh, we should be back together. But we have, um, I feel a very strong physical connection with him. Really? I always have, like, the way he smells. Like, oh. if I'm near him, I, like, want to have my arms, like, in Smell his- is so powerful. It's, it's actually, it's actually, it's kind of criminal. It's pretty manipulative. The thing is, he smells, I love the way he smells so much. Even if he goes on a run and he's completely sweaty, I'm like, give it to mm. me. Yeah. So, I guess it was just a little confusing for me. It just made me realize I don't think we're ready to be friends. And I don't think he is either. We've just been having these, like, teary phone conversations. Really? Yeah, it's just too much. Wow. It's just too much. Was the hangout fun or fun but also felt like a date? You know what? I think it's like... I'm at a point where I'm not ready to have him treat me like a friend. Mm-hmm. I need him to still be yes. like in love with Into me. You. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That and feels that feels In the movie there was a moment where he like reached for my hand and we like held hands in the movie and like Wow. Yeah, and then I had to race after the movie and like go see my sister, but there was a part of me that like really wanted to like make out or have sex or yeah. and I I um I think I think he and I both have a hard time letting go, even when it's the the right. I don't think we should be together. Mm-hmm. I know that we shouldn't because I'm not happy when we're together. But it is also hard 
to mm. I think I think what we need to do is just not be in touch. Yeah. It's I mean that's probably good advice for anyone who's kind of in a thing that's not a thing anymore but still kind of elements are trickling into a friendship and it gets really blurry. I don't know. I think until we're fully over each other it's just not good because I think that until you're like either in love with the next person or just truly over it there's always going to be these lingering like feelings and like wanting to hook up and it's just confusing and it just it just doesn't feel good and it's like no it, I think you have the cold turkey it, I think we kind of do yeah you gotta I think we it's do the only way otherwise I mean also otherwise we're dragging it out you're dragging it out and also if there is a chance that later on down the road you guys do see eye to eye and actually could be something at some point because it sounds like feelings are still there and you guys get along and have a good time together you know I think that that gets compromised when you're in this gray zone yeah, I think you're right. I, I think also, it's kind of like we're either we're either doing it or we're not. That's the thing. It's a fantasy. You know, it's funny. I think we talked. I think this was the theme of the last episode was like, can you be friends yeah. with your ex? And it's funny because it's like we're pretending that we can, but we can't. And well, it's also because you miss each other. So you, it's like, oh, this is better than not at all. I also think that it's but like, it's actually not. It's also a fantasy that like if he's going through something hard or if I'm going through something hard, I think we're both fantasizing that it would be comforting to be around each other, but it's actually not comforting. It's yeah. like painful. Yeah. It's like doesn't help. Right. So it's okay. I'm not, you know, I was thinking about this last week on the on the pod. I was in such a psychotically bad mood. I'm really sorry. I, I haven't heard that episode yet. I didn't think you were in a bad mood. I think it's a good episode. Oh, yeah. thanks. You were great. Yeah. I, I was really emotional and um, I feel so much better now. And even talking about like the fact that we're kind of having this messy thing, I still feel really good. I'm working out. I'm working on a new pilot I'm happy about. I feel good. You know, it's it's not taking over my life. Right. You know? Yeah. So no, I think I'm like Carrie. It's like I know I need to just move on from this, but I'm a human and I'm just taking a second to detach. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's that. Okay. Well, let's get into not just a new episode, but a new season of Sex and the City, guys. We've gone through so much together. I know. Season two wrapped up. Today we're doing season three, episode one, Where There's Smoke. Before I kick us off, I have to say, I thought Miranda looked so beautiful in this episode. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but I just saw like her face and I was like, she's stunning. Yeah, she's really, she just blossoms as the show goes Doesn't on. Doesn't she? Yeah, absolutely. Also, her and Steve's dynamic is so, like there's so much uh, charm and chemistry between those two actors that it's just like she is lighting up the screen when she's on the screen and especially all the more so with Steve, I thought, which I love. Yeah. It's the best couple on the show. They're truly. So season three kicks off with the core four riding the Staten Island Ferry where Carrie's judging a firefighter calendar competition. Charlotte, Samantha, and Miranda tag along because, well, hot firefighters. Carrie finds herself judging with Bill Kelly, a local politician played by John Slattery. As she gets to work raiding New York's barest torsos, Samantha, Miranda, and Charlotte get to work pounding Staten Island iced teas and dunking on the outer boroughs' towny vibe. Samantha's into it, though. She has a thing for hunky firefighters, and one of the competitors, Ricky, very much fulfills it. His IQ, however, leaves something to be desired. Hi. Do you know if those shirts are for sale? Because I'd like to get one for my nephew. 
Uh, yeah, you can buy them, but like, I don't know if you can buy them here or not. I got this one at work, but I'm sure you can buy them like those other places. I see them in those shops, like on Bleeko or like- Samantha! Ricky, how you doing? Good, how are you doing? I saw you up there. So you too. You looked fantastic. Yeah? Yeah. I never did anything like that before. But my sisters were like, do it, Ricky. And I'm like, I never did anything like that before. And they're like, well, you did it very well. Hey, I wonder what month you'll be. I don't know, maybe like October. My birthday's in October. I'll bet July or any month that's hot. <laughs> Oh, love my that God. Scene. That is so funny. It's amazing. He is hilarious, that he actor. He is such a good actor. Oh, you could probably buy him anywhere. <laughs> it's a genuine recommendation. He's like, I don't know what you get on. It's incredible. Oh, little accent, Skylar. I, I do also love, love how Samantha tries to make, I'm going to get it for my nephew. Sounds yeah, sexy. Nephew it's like, gross. Don't sexualize your nephew. I also do. It's funny. Also, you guys, I, I forgot how... This is one of the most iconic episodes of the show. Going to Staten Island is so... If you ever have lived in New York or visited New York, mostly if you've lived in it, New York is such a wild place because the actual city, it's like, it's the cultural capital of our country. It's the best theater, the best fashion, the best photography, the best food. And then you just cross the Staten Island Ferry and you're like in the Midwest. Yeah. You're like in the Italian Midwest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Midwest with way better pizza. Yeah, it's like super conservative. Yeah. Super blue collar. Yeah. It's such a crazy thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I love when the Sex and the City episodes go outside of Manhattan. It's really fun to see their perspective as Manhattanites anywhere else, whether they go to Staten Island, whether they go to California. It's just like so th their fish out of water yes. perspective is just so crystal clear. It's so New Yorker. Yeah. Take they're a just, New Yorker anywhere else. And they're like, what the fuck is yeah, this? Yeah, they're just thrown. And then there's that like you, you're on that journey with them where you're excited when they return to New York because you're like, oh, I, I also missed New York. With yeah, them. Of course. Yeah. It's also just nostalgic. Like I used to live in New York and just watching them take the ferry. It's just such a New York thing to do is to take the Staten Island yeah. ferry. Yeah. I remember they had a comedy show on Long Island. I mean, on Staten Island. Eh, all the islands. It's not really that different. Long Island and Staten. Um, but yeah, uh, I just remember like a bunch of comedians like riding the ferry back. And I just remember it's like, yeah, you just feel like you're part of something when you do it so because you have that image in your head and you can see the Statue of Liberty. That is the one where you see the Statue yes. of Liberty, right? Yeah. Yeah. So fun. What do you think about her firefighter fantasy? Have you ever had anything like that? Truly never. Um, and that's something that I've, I feel like we hear this all the time. It's become such a cliche or like a stereotype that women just like lust after firefighters. I get it. I I could, I guess, but I don't it's not so blanketed for me as like a fire truck goes by and I'm like, wah wah, wee wah. Like, you know what I mean? That's kind of the Yeah. And that's kind of how Samantha is, I feel, which is why she's sort of speaking to someone who's like literally dumb as a rock and she's still like trying to make it happen. With a firefighter, because their job is so vital. And they really are doing something that takes insane training, insane focus. There is, I get like, there is something sort of primal and hyper masculine about it as yeah. well. Um, but if I were to have a conversation with a firefighter and he literally said the things like, yeah, maybe you could get it on Bleecker Street. <laughs> I, I would be like, oh yeah, my fantasy is shattered. Like, 
I think that just that whole concept of like I'm a tr- like man in uniform or like finding someone attractive based on their profession. The only profession that I feel that way about is like a musician. Like musicians to me are, are like pretty much yeah. across the board, even when they're like, well, if they're terrible, that that definitely no, no. is a turn off. But at least there's like a command of the stage. And right. The, yeah. And you're you're but physically looking you up with them it's, because the stage is elevated. Yeah. And it's so talent. there is this kind of like looking up at their ability and yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 I've never been. Yeah. It's just what kind of guys you like. It's like if you like meaty guys, like I don't think yeah. Channing Tatum is hot. He looks like a meathead. I also don't. I mean, I can recognize that he's hot, but I don't. It depends. On I don't you watch like. Magic Mike, and I'm like, oh, come over and you know do some woodworking on my house or whatever he did in that movie. He was a carpenter, right? Yeah. Anyways, um, no, it's it's like if you like beefcakes or not. I'm not a beefcake type. I well, like- beefcake mentality is a fucking nightmare. Well, that's I think sort of. Have you ever dated a dumb guy? Yes. Well, who we t- talk? I feel about. like I've talked about the dumb guys I've dated multiple yeah. times. Well, I know you've talked about unfunny, which can be synonymous. I told but... you about the personal trainer. No, did yes. you? Yes, I dated a very. I don't think so. Rose. I dated an exceptionally hot personal trainer. No, that I was didn't know that. Completely dumb. Okay. Yeah. And like, what was sort of the tip off that he wasn't? I your think equal I've said this mentally. before, but I'm sorry if I have. I'm, I apologize, but he had a wall where he put all of his like goals on it. <laughs> and one of them was read a book. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That'll do it. I hope he did it. <laughs> I was like, that's one of your like life goals. Like you never like read a book. That's just like something you do. Yeah. It's like my goal is like not read more books. Read, read one book. Read a book. Read book. <laughs> just read book. Read the book. <laughs> read the book. Have you ever dated? A, I feel book. like you don't date dumb guys. I mean, I don't generally. Have you ever ever dated a dumb hot guy? Mm, no, I haven't dated sort of a classically dumb guy, but I've definitely dated guys where I was like, I'm so much smarter than you. Like, please well, get you're the very fuck smart. out. But oh, that's thanks. different. But Being smarter versus dumb. I also... It's so interesting because I don't I most of the time if I if we're talking about like things I beat myself up for it's that I'm not smart enough like I truly, you really think oh that? constantly it's my number that and I have no friends or my my two yeah and which which is insane because I have I am not dumb and I have friends but those are like my two things I beat myself wow, up for. wow that's really interesting yeah you're so smart thanks for saying that I always am like I am a fucking idiot I think Where it's did that because come from? I think it's because when I was younger, so I'm an only child and my sort of sibling equivalent are my two cousins who are like two years younger than me. Um, And they are like more book smart, I would say, than I was like really good at math specifically. And what do they do? um, They're both in finance. One more so than the other. But yeah, one's in sort of like marketing and sales and the other's in finance. But anyways, so I always as a kid, I remember my uncle would like, you know, throw math problems at us, like addition problems, subtraction problems, and they would answer them immediately. And I, to this day, I'd be like, I need a year. Like, give me a fucking pad and paper and let me go work on it. it's interesting to think of being good at math as smart. Right, but when you're a kid, it's measured in such silly, thoughtless ways. Right. And I think that in my mind, I was just like, well, I'm bad at that, so I must just be bad. Aw. And now, now as an adult, obviously, 
I'm working through it. We're fine. But like that always was a hang up. I totally understand being insecure about being bad at math because when I. Which, by the way, I got good at math. I'm still not. I mean, I'm not great, but I I made an A a few times. There you go. But I also made C's a few times. If I'm at the grocery store, I remember. No, no, no. I used to work at a store in high school mm. and I would say, okay, and I'd be at the cash register. It's this much. And then they'd give me the thing and they go, actually here, here, here's a dollar extra. And then oh, I'd no. have to like quickly figure no, out. See, I'd be fired. I was so fired. stressed by that. Talk, like, you want to ah. hear something that this was my, I remember like true kicker in school was when we had to learn how to tell time. I mean, it took me so much longer than every other. I was like, I don't understand. Like looking at a clock, I was like, this is like mind blowing to me. And finally it it kicked in, obviously. But like, it it just took so long. And those types of things, I just dwell on to this day. I'm like, well, other kids found it very easy and it took me more time. Literally, it took me more time to learn time. What if you still couldn't tell time? I'd be like, Jamie, what time is it? Oh, it's, you know, (laughs) half past. What does it matter? (laughs) Live in the moment. Just using (laughs) jargon I've heard. It's quarter, quarter till. Just (laughs) ask someone else in the room. He'll tell you. Yeah. Oh, I don't have a watch. Yeah, Yeah, but the the clock's right there. No, it's it's broken. (laughs) So, well, yeah. anyway, all right. Why? Are, oh, yeah. Back dumb guys. to it. Okay. After the competition, Bill Kelly, aka John Slatterly, who I famously Slattery, 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 who I don't think is hot, by the way, for the Me record. Neither. Yeah, I don't find him irresistible. He nope. looks old. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm like, what is this whole thing of like? He's so hot. He's such a hot old guy. He, no, he's just a regular he old is guy. A, he's a nice looking man. He is it's not exceptional movie star. And I think maybe that is what does it for some women and men. Um, but I don't know. I just I, think I personally have never LOL that like he's just a regular white guy with white hair and people are like, what a scintillating fox. Yeah. I th- it was also funny seeing him in this just because it was like 15 years later when Mad Men came out. He looks precisely the same, the same. Yeah, like it's maybe. like a paul rudd situation like the man didn't age for steve martin a little, as well yeah sometimes when people go gray really Just get early in. oh it's the dream yeah. you want to go gray when you're like 16 <laughs> for a man hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline families have a lot going on let ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up like delicious lolly focus pops or lolly mellow pops for kids and for parents try three new brainy chews to help you focus chill out or get energized find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com that's o-l-l-y.com these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration this product is not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease so anyway, after the competition, Bill Kelly finds Carrie at the bar and proceeds to hit on her, but he doesn't get anywhere. Carrie's still dealing with her post-big hangups and didn't come to the fireman competition to find a date. She also reveals that she's never voted in New York, which, Carrie, come on, please vote. 
Samantha takes off with her calendar guy, leaving Carrie and Miranda to get a hammered Charlotte back to Manhattan. On the ferry home, Charlotte shouts off the back of the ferry her plans to get married. It's endearing. It's embarrassing. It's endearing. Ooh, I like that. And Samantha has some truly killer sex with her dummy. Just listen. She'd love to tell you. Ladies, let me tell you about his cock. Will be quiet? People at the next table have a child. Well, that's their choice. You know, Little Miss Hangover was right. Can we uh, lighten up on the cock talk till cocktail time? Fine. I just wanted to let you know that my fireman was every bit the fantasy I had in mind. New York's finest. That's cops. Whatever. I think it's wrong to sleep with a man just to fulfill a certain fantasy. Please, all the men we sleep with fulfill a certain fantasy. Or a nightmare. You fantasize a man with a Park Avenue apartment and a nice big stock portfolio. For me, it's a fireman with a nice big hose. And why are firemen always so fucking cute? Mm. Even when they're not that cute, they're still cute. What's up with that? Well, first, there's a weight limit. And second, it's the hero thing. You know, you see him up on that truck. Uh, that truck is hot. Hurrying off to save someone trapped on a burning ledge or something. Plus, they've got that I'm a good guy look in their eyes. It's that look. It's because women really just want to be rescued. There it was. The sentence, independent single women in their 30s are never supposed to think, let alone say out loud. I'm sorry, but it's true. I've been dating since I was 15. I'm exhausted. Where is he? Who, the white knight? That only happens in fairy tales. That line, Mm. also now that I'm single, I really relate to. I've been dating since I was 15. I'm tired of dating. Where is he? I just feel like... Wow, I that has that hit me so hard when I watched that. Yeah, <laughs> I also like the mention of fairy tales because I recently with Disney Plus hitting all of our um, television platforms. I don't know how to talk about it. Um, new streaming service, Disney Plus. Check it out. Disney really needs your money. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I with Disney Plus, I've been in when I'm working on my laptop. Sometimes I just play Disney movies in the background because like we've all seen them a hundred times. It's great to kind of just have and That's tune so out. It's also cute. And yeah, like, they're so cute. It's uplifting again, you know, well, Butrin, hello. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Rose, you want to come over and watch some Disney movies? <laughs> Jesus, we got a new Jamie on our hands. But my point is that when you watch these fairy tales, they are the fantasy has been fed to women as kids. I mean, since we were little kids. I mean, these are like the first movies we ever saw. Like, I remember seeing Snow White with my aunt when I was probably six. It's like that idea of the prince has to come and rescue you, has to kiss you, to wake you up. It's like truly instilled in us at such a young age and it is quite disturbing so I actually find this whole need to be rescued conversation particularly interesting right now given my new Disney plus membership yeah I mean as somebody who's done some who's gone to some like sex and love addicts meetings and like who's done a lot of reading Wanting to be rescued. You read a book. Well, guys, uh, we don't mean to brag, but Rose has read some books. I could check it off my bucket list now. <laughs> Such a like e- easily attainable bucket list thing. <laughs> like, it's like skydiving, read. Um, yeah. I, I do think that the language, again, I'm taking this very seriously in my mm-hmm, like little mm-hmm. th- therapy thing self helpy but like wanting to be rescued is like a major sign of codependence and that's for men and women um i've dated codependent men and i've been codependent i probably still am a little and that language of wanting to be rescued and i look at it less as like a female fantasy and more of 
a sign that somebody hasn't done a lot of self-work sure. because um, assuming that somebody is going to fill the hole inside of you. That or, is co- that is the codependent. Yeah. And men and women do it. Thought, yeah. I don't think just women no, do no, it. No, no, it's yeah. not. It. I mean, takes two. Co. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's why I think when she's like, women just want to be rescued. I actually think Charlotte's approach to men is a little codependent because I do think she has this idea that once, the, once she gets it, she's going to feel complete. Yeah. And I think that's once she gets incorrect. A, a I think you feel the yeah. same as you normally do. You just also have a person. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I yes, agreed. Um, as far as being rescued, I do think that you are right. There is this thing of like. I think we do because of those Disney movies have ideas of grand gestures and want someone to fight for us and all this stuff. But I think I have a hard time analyzing it through that lens because I look at things in such a like therapy lens that wanting to be rescued to me is a sign of somebody that's no, that's where my get in a really bad relationship. I totally agree. And I think just to clarify, that is sort of what I was getting at with these movies and narratives that are fed to us is that I actually think it breeds codependence. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, it's pretty scary. Because they show you that as soon as you find your prince, like everything is good. Life makes sense. I mean, literally Cinderella is like a fucking dump truck in an attic, just like (laughs) taking orders from this like shitty mom she should stand up to. Dump truck in an attic. She's like friends with fucking mice. Like she doesn't talk to anyone. My friends are mice. And then all of a sudden, literally. Is that a big deal? Is that a deal breaker for you? She's way too cozy with like animals (laughs) as pals and... Yeah, and then it's like she goes to this ball one night, dances with this dude for like truly five seconds of the movie, and then it's like I found love, and That's it's so fucking true. depressing. It's also beautiful singing. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I think you're right. I I do think you're right. I, you know what's so complicated about these <laughs> things is we are put on this earth to procreate and to like find partnership. So people. It does make sense to be obsessed with wanting to find a partner. That's like the biological imperative. We were literally not meant to just be, be alone. Yeah. So right. there is something. Very... I'm glad you're bringing that up because that is also true. Yeah, we are. It's... We are supposed to yes. be partnered up. That's, yes. It's like food, shelter, love. Yes, Those are all... absolutely. So it's and complicated. also like loneliness does lead to like depression. Of course. Dying early. Yes. Like, yeah, there no, are studies need... to support that. Yeah, we do need comfort and companionship. So it's not crazy to want it. I think it's just I think there's it's like a really threading a needle to be like, I mean, I'm single right now. I really want to have a partner. But uh, I think there's a difference between being like, oh, it'd be really nice to have a companion versus like, I hope someone can come and make my life make sense. Right. Like very different. I think so. It is different. And the fact that you're even having these types of conversations is like a sign that you have a well-rounded perspective on being single and having a partner. I mean, as somebody who's like texting my ex, like, you hey, know, do you want to come over? Don't be yourself do you up. That's sex? what happens. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, in a way it's almost sociopathic to not have that happen. Yeah. Unless the, the relationship ended really poorly. That's different. Sometimes you do have the Band-Aid ripped off for you. I am, But gonna, in this case, it yeah. fizzled. It just sort of mutually fizzled. Okay. Well, we'll say mutually for his benefit. Okay, okay, okay. But I just mean, I guess I mean uh, there was no animosity. No, I mean, I do think, though, like, I have reached out to him about, like, hooking up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we really need to 
he I think he's worried that that's going to just take us right back yeah. to square one. And he's like, we kind of need to like have withdrawal from each other. But he's reaching out to me like text wise mm-hmm. and like wants a lot of like talking and emotional support. Mm-hmm. And the way I feel is like the best thing I feel like we have together is the physical connection. And that is the way we can comfort each other. So if we're not doing that, then like I don't really think we have much to give. That's yeah. so harsh. I can't believe I just said that. It's okay. It's also you. It's not as harsh as it, as you think it sounds. I just it's mean just like honest. if we're not having the fun, I know what endorphins mean. of the cuddling and totally. the physical. Totally. Then we're just fighting on the phone. Then it's just the worst of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's right. like let's at least get the stuff like that the feels payoff. good. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Instead, we're just fighting and then aren't together. Yes. Right. We're right, just right. like having You're conversations. Like, this where... is actually worse than the relationship. I'm just crying on yes. the phone and there's no sex. Right. No. 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 Yeah. We don't want that. We don't want that. All right. So getting back into the episode. The next time we see Miranda, she's mid-optometrist appointment. She shoots down her doctor's suggestion to have someone help her after her upcoming LASIK operation. She's an independent woman who doesn't need saving, even from a post-surgery drug haze, damn it. When Steve offers to pick her up, she's not into the offer, mostly because they aren't sure what they're doing. Are they dating? Are they pals who hold hands and sleep together? What are they? Instead of settling it, they sleep together. Before we go on, I have a question for you. Mm. Why do you think Miranda doesn't want him to pick her up? What do you think's going on there? I think that I think that their closeness is just scaring her and that feels like such talk about grand gesture. That is such a classic relationship move to have someone like pick you up from a surgery, pick you honestly picking you up from anywhere, airport, surgery, what have you. So, I think it's just like it just it's what it represents. Yeah, my take is that you want, like, family to do it. And if he's kind of not family but also kind of is, I think it just further complicates it in her head. Yeah, I think something that hasn't been really clarified since they've gotten back together is it just makes Miranda seem like she's totally commitment phobic. And it kind of puts it all on her. Like, why is Miranda being so crazy? But, like, lest we forget, he broke up with her. He did. He walked out of her life. I love that you remind us. Yeah, because it's like... I can see her being, like Carrie in this episode, scared to get hurt again. And it's kind of interesting that there's no mention of it because it makes Miranda seem a little crazier than she it's is. It's a great point. Yeah, they you really forget that she was broken up with. They, by they, Steve. By Steve. So it's like, I think that they show these scenes as if Steve's just being this great guy. And it's like, why don't you just take him at his word? It's like, I did that before. He left me. They definitely could have been a little more nuanced with the end and new beginning of their relationship because they definitely make it seem like it it's just all Miranda it was just complicated our schedules and it's like well whatever it was ultimately he ended it and you never and talked about will it ne- there is no situation where you're broken up with even if it's like you get it you also were thinking about it whatever if whoever initiated it that is a there is a level of power there that if you're going to reconnect and get back together there's no way you wouldn't acknowledge it Charlotte and Carrie catch up at a bar where they meet JJ, a guy who really wants to buy Charlotte a drink. Charlotte's not into it, but the guy's not a big fan of being told no. Lucky for them, Arthur, a random Wall Street guy, punches JJ in the face and Charlotte is smitten. 
Bill the politician shows up sitting on Carrie's steps. He brought her some voter registration cards as an excuse to ask her out again, this time to a Staten Island political shindig. When Carrie shoots him down, he cooks up a plan to wait outside her place the night of and she can join him or not. No pressure. Miranda heads to her LASIK surgery appointment and pointedly doesn't call Steve. She has cab fare. She's already written her favorite takeout place's number in big black letters so she can read it post-op. What could Steve possibly offer that she hasn't already handled? And Charlotte heads to a brunch date with Arthur, her knight in punching armor. And while Miranda was under the knife, Charlotte was having her first glass of white wine with her white knight. So I did the hasty pudding show a couple times just to blow off steam. My friend Tom says that Harvard is still the most massively aggressive place he's ever seen. And he's a traitor. Not Tom Kennedy. Oh my god, yes, do you know Tom? Great guy. And how about his wife? Mm. Now that's my idea of the perfect marriage. Totally. Charlotte nodded, thinking what a nice, sweet, handsome, funny, great couple they made. Excuse me. You just bumped into her chair. A little crowded. Yes, it's crowded, but you bumped her chair, spilled her wine. You should say you're sorry. It's okay. No, it's not okay. That's no way to treat a lady. Lighten up. It's brunch. Charlotte suddenly realized that her date wasn't a man who came to a woman's rescue. He was a man who liked to start fights. Uh, excuse me, sir. Oh, you want a piece of me? That was so nice. And just like that, Charlotte's white knight changed into a white nightmare. I love that they say white nightmare because this guy seems like a white supremacist. <laughs> yeah. White nightmare is a great term. It is. Yeah. He has that look too. Like like hardcore weird area and like, like white Trump. blonde. Yeah. Yeah. It's upsetting. He looks like a duck. He's scary. Quack quack. My husband's friends in college not not Dan, but like he was friends with people who would just get in fights. Ugh. Like they would just, it was like a thing, like frat guys getting in fights. Gross. Yeah. And I just always, when I hear that, I'm just like, oh, I can't, I can't even imagine being around that. Yeah. And also thinking that that would be sexy. It's so disgusting. Car- um, Charlotte's a good character though, because she, her, her flaws allow us to investigate men like this. Yes. Because being attracted to a guy like this, it's exactly the opposite of what I would ever be attracted to. Um, It's like the most privileged kind of person on earth, a white Ivy League educated finance bro who just thinks the world owes him. The fact yeah. that he loves punching people makes perfect sense. It's just and like- And that the, he goes to punching so quickly. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's also, it is terrifying because it's like, well, I mean, you know, now in this situation, it's like, oh, I, I can't be with a guy who's this angry towards people. It's like, well, you're next, Charlotte. Like, of course. So that is the undercurrent of this That's scene. That's a really good point. Which is really scary. Yeah, I think that violence, it's kind of funny. It's it's what I'm you, not saying if you punch guys, you also punch women, but it's not a leap to think it's possible. No, not yeah. at all. And and I think you bring, you brought up something important when we were talking about rescuing. You were talking about the Disney movies. There also are a lot of movies and TV shows where a man punching another man is considered like that means he really cares about you and he's doing it for your honor. Right. And that's really toxic. And fortunately, she doesn't fall for it. But I do think there has been some toxic masculinity um, in the way we've 
portrayed men punching men mm-hmm. as of course as like a pro as some as as somebody who knows how to handle himself yes or somebody who can take care of you right no it's so true that sort of glorifying the violence which even is if it's ter- not towards women it's like well it being towards men isn't great either yeah to me i'm scared of i'm scared of being around anyone that doesn't seem like they're in control of themselves 100 percent. that's very scary same We've talked about this. I yeah, I really don't respond well to it. Yeah, I think it's terrifying and 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 we both had like you grew up with like yelling in your household. Yeah, I also grew up with no. it and when you when you're out of the house and able to control not being around it, yeah. the second it happens, you're just like, "Nope, I'm not. I will not." I'll tell I, you, I don't do that anymore. I agree. I, I'll tell you the worst, scariest part of that is when you see yourself doing it. Oh, which, which absolutely happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I don't think I yelled at Lee, but I think I did like I was snappy S- and could stern say, talking. talking yeah, I think too. I was like, you know, kind of snappy and intense and like maybe said some mean things. And I was like, ah, don't do that. Yeah. Don't go there. Yeah, it's scary. It sucks to see that side of you and be like, oh, shit. Yeah. If your parents did something you hated, it's probably inside, inside of you. It's lurking. It's lurking. All right. So, post LASIK surgery, when Miranda wakes up from her Valium induced funk, turns out she's not alone like she had planned. Steve not only got her home, he stayed to help her. And Samantha takes her firefighter fantasy to the next level. She goes to Ricky's firehouse. What she finds, unfortunately, is just a bunch of meaty dudes drinking beer and watching basketball. It's not the hot fantasy hang she had in mind. Carrie considers Bill's offer as he waits under her window, as promised. When she doesn't come down, he leaves. She calls Miranda to get some reassurance on whatever the hell she's doing. Big's gone. What harm could the handsome politician really do? Convinced, Carrie takes off after him, and they have a nice time and a coat closet makeout. I'm sorry, but I don't like seeing her make out with him. I think it's just too much like she's this young, vibrant, tan, like, and he's just this old dude. I'm just not into it. Me neither. I also... It's my I, least favorite pairing on the I show. I don't like it. Yeah. I actually thought their kissing was bad. Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't always notice that, but I was like, these people don't are, have chemistry. They don't have chemistry, and they're also like compensating by like really open mouthing it, and like Ew. it was like, oh, this is upsetting. Samantha eventually nabs a moment alone with Ricky, which they spend having the glorious firehouse sex she fantasized about. Everything's great until the station's alarm rings and she has to peel off the firefighter's gear she's rocking so it can be used for actual firefighting. This is one of the most iconic scenes of the show where a naked Samantha is running around. It's amazing. The episode closes with Carrie rushing out of Bill's schmooze fest to make the last ferry. She gets to the terminal right when it's pulling away, and just as she thinks she's going to be stranded, Bill shows up to give her a ride. Before we get to the question of the episode, I I think that um, Carrie's storyline is also a fantasy. I don't know if it's been fed to us or or I don't know what the chicken or the egg is, but I think that that the fantasy is that you say no to a guy a bunch of times and he just won't stop trying yeah. and then eventually you say yes which is also kind of a rape fantasy which is also kind of this it's also this really murky thing that we've been raised on that the hottest thing a man can do is like 
not take no for an answer. Well, and also a lot of relationships start that way. We even have it from fed from our grandparents, sort of. Yeah. Dan actually has a joke about this. I might be botching it, but like just about how like it's sort of sweet. It's like, yeah, I threw rocks at your grandmother's window every night for a year and she wouldn't look at me. And then finally, when one of the rocks broke the window, (laughs) she had to come outside and talk to me. And you're just like, that's not sweet. Stalking. Yeah. You were bothering her. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's hard, too, because like. Because chivalry is so dead with online dating and all this stuff and so many guys seem like they could take it or leave it that I also understand there is something very appealing about somebody who's like fighting for you and trying. It's like the bar is so low with men now that effort yeah. is like a wild turn on. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, so this brings us to the question of the episode. Later that day, I got to thinking about fairy tales. What if Prince Charming had never showed up? Would Snow White have slept in that glass coffin forever? Or would she have eventually woken up, spit out the apple, gotten a job, a healthcare package, and a baby from her local neighborhood sperm bank? I couldn't help but wonder, inside every confident, driven, single woman, is there a delicate, fragile princess just waiting to be saved? Was Charlotte right? Do women just want to be rescued? No. I don't think so. I actually, I really don't think so. I think that if we do, it's because of the narrative fed to us. I don't think in our core that is what we need. But I, it is, you can't not take into account that it has been socialized. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And, you know, of course, like Mama Rose, the therapist, is just always like every person wants a mom and a dad when they look for a partner. Like, if you're in a relationship, you're the person's mom and dad also. Like, everyone wants to be taken care of, I would say. Rescued? Yeah, that's a great distinction. Rescued (sighs) and taken care of are two different things. You should take care of your partner, and they should take care of you. Yeah. Rescuing is sounds like you're in a bad place, and you can't get your shit together, and you want somebody to magically save you. Right, and That's, that their their presence and that the love you guys have for each other is actually going to pull you out of whatever dark place you're whatever. in, yeah. and it's just not true. And if it does temporarily, it's you will find your way back to that dark place once things settle down and yeah. you guys get more comfortable. And yeah, you you can't rely on another person to bring you that level of happiness. It's yes. just not healthy. That being said, I definitely feel like when I, there have been moments where I've been down or in a pit or in a depression where I'm sure I've fantasized about somebody rescuing me. I'm sure that I have. Yeah, of course. But the reality is if you're in a position to be rescued, there will be no good relationship. You can't start a relationship by two desperate people wanting to be saved. That's going to be a really toxic relationship. When I was in college, my freshman year of college, I felt really sort of out of sorts and lonely and didn't really have like my routine down for a while. And then sophomore year when I did meet my college boyfriend, it did change things a lot just because I think, um, yeah, I think I really wanted a boyfriend and I was sort of not falling into hookup culture in college so seamlessly as other people were and so that I guess was a form of rescuing in that like things kind of clicked into gear once we started dating I do think relationships can really make people happy and bring people a lot of stability and nourishment I think a good relationship can help you heal your wounds it can pump you up it can help you heal your old wounds like love can heal things it's just that if you're in if you're on a sinking ship and you're like 
Somebody else. Yeah, right. The only person that's going to come and be attracted to you is somebody who's also that, singing. That is, that is the slippery slope there. And then it's just going to be two people. Codependence. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay, guys. Sex in the City is obviously a very horny show, so we end each episode by sharing what we're currently horny for. Rose, what are you horny for right now? Jojo Rabbit. Oh, it's good. I love this okay. movie okay. so much. Shit, okay. I, first of all, love going to the movies. Watching TV at home cannot compare. I love going to the theater. This was such a cinematic wonder. It was like an early Wes Anderson movie. It's just, it's charming. It's funny. There's tons of heart. It's delightful. It's surprising. It's just a delight. Go out and see it. I fucking love this movie. I hope it wins a ton of Oscars. Oh, I love that. Yeah. What are you horny for? I'm horny for my very good friend, our friend, uh, Julia Rossi was on Conan. She did stand up for the first time on late night television and she fucking knocked it out of the park. She was so funny and charming and commanding of the screen. And I think that late night sets are really hard because you kind of have to cram a lot of jokes into a very short amount of time and you kind of feel like you don't have breathing room. But she really was able to make five minutes not feel like five minutes in a good way. It didn't feel rushed. It was a great set. It was so good. So please check her out. Watch it. Um, If you love comedy and if you don't love comedy, you're crazy and you're probably not a fan of this podcast. (laughs) So I can just stop the sentence. But Julia's name is spelled G-I-U-L-I-A and her last name is Rozzy, R-O-Z-Z-I. That was a really sweet shout out. It was awesome. I mean, I really am like so impressed. No, and proud it was of her. wonderful. It's fucking great. Also, another thing I'm horny for is Apple iTunes reviews for our show. Oh, yeah, we haven't gotten any new ones in a while. And guys, if you love us, uh, we don't ask for money. This is free. It's a really and nice thing to do. And it's the holidays, and the holidays Give are about Hanukkah giving. Gifts. Yes, guys. Yeah, this is Give a, us a nice little season. shout out. Tell us why you love us. Yes, we would absolutely appreciate it. And we love you guys. And we, we as you. always, thank you for your comments on Instagram and anywhere else. We love yeah, you. Yeah, we love you. Love you, James. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help But Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod and follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at Really Jamie Lee on Instagram and at The Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You nasty. Bye. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. And mastered by Anna Rubinova. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Pew, pew, pew.